This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Excited. The NFL Draft is finally here tonight, round one. And to help you get ready for all three days of it, Ben Gessling will join me here in just a little bit. Covers the Vikings for the Star Tribune. Kind of runs down his entire seven-round Vikings mock draft. Had a lot of fun talking to Ben. Good discussion there. Some good back and forth on what the Vikings might do, um, not only in the first round, but the entire draft. Maybe take a kicker, maybe take a quarterback. Um, a lot of good stuff there. So I hope you enjoy that conversation and enjoy the coverage of the draft tonight and beyond. But first, what did I miss? Well, if any team needed a win on uh, on Wednesday as badly as the Twins, I'm not sure who it was. They entered the day with the worst record in baseball. Um, that's how dire things had gotten as they fell to 7-15 and with that 13 losses in 15 games skid. Break out of it in a big way, at least for one game, with a 10-2 win in Cleveland in the last game of that series. Six home runs, um, some really encouraging signs from the offense from, you know, Mitch Garver hits two long home runs. Um, you know, a lot of contributors up and down the lineup. Um, Jorge Polanco has a nice game. You know, just just a lot of good signs in that game. Who knows if it's sustainable, but sometimes one game like that can help a team kind of break out of whatever funk was there. But the biggest thing that I want to talk about from that game is the continuation of the play of one man in particular. Uh, AC out there in the flat. There's a ball thrown in there low. That, that isn't Snoker's fault. And we don't usually play that little clip from uh, Jerry Burns back in the day um, so soon in the show, but it is absolutely apt for Byron Buxton this season. It is not his fault how things have gone. Listen to these numbers, you guys. Um, if you haven't looked up his stats so far this season, you had another huge game, by the way, on Wednesday. Five hits uh, in five at-bats, including a home run, two doubles. Kind of got the whole Byron Buxton package yesterday. The, the home run to the opposite field, by the way, which he's doing more of this year. Um, kind of hit a ground ball through the, you know, into into middle left field um, that he turned into a double. Um, hit a, you know, hit a harder double in the seventh inning when he was maybe going, hope, seventh or eighth inning, eighth inning maybe, when he was hoping to get a cycle um, and a couple other singles. I mean, just a beat out a single up the uh, up the middle is basically a routine ground ball. Like every everything that Byron Buxton does well was on display in that win. Uh, but even before that game, I mean, he entered the game with a, almost a 400 batting average, and now it's up to 438, which five hits and five at bats will do for you. Um, 438, a 938 slugging percentage, a 1.408 OPS. His win probability win probability added for the season is almost to one already. Uh, it's a little bit better than Alexander Colomay, who I'll leave alone for a day since he did not pitch. You know, the Twins are only 6-11 and 11 in the games he's played somehow, some way, uh, but that's not his fault. I mean, he's he's had games where he should have been the hero. That game in Oakland um, about a week ago, the end of the uh, the road trip to end all road trips, when he hit the, the game, what well, should have been the game winning, you know, it certainly was the go-ahead home run in extra innings, and then, uh, you know, they end up blowing the lead in that game. He had a game-tying home run earlier this season at Detroit. He, he's had numerous big hits this season. So these are not empty at-bats, not empty swings. So he's doing it in the field, too. I mean, everything you would hope Byron Buxton would be in his career is happening this season through his 17 games this season. You know, unfortunately, there's been some injuries sprinkled into that. But, you know, if he's if he plays 17 out of every 23 games this season, um, I think the Twins would take that. That would be a, that'd be a reasonable 
pace for Byron Buxton, you know, to to play about 120 times this season. That 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 feels like if he got on the field 120 games, got you know, got up to around 500 plate appearances, he would be enough of a contributor. You'd like to see him a little bit more than that. But th- this, you know, it's it's been nicks and scratches, not not huge things. So if the Twins can at least keep him on this pace to be on the field at least this much, they're an entirely different team when he's on the field, and he showed that you know in kind of leading the charge um, in uh, you know in in Wednesday's game. Not not a must win, but but boy. Like I said at the outset, a team that really, really, really could use a win and got it in a big way, thanks to a lot of players, but in particular, Byron Buxton on Wednesday. Enjoy your money your way when you switch to Royal Credit Union. You can pay friends and family for free, deposit checks on the go, and even get alerts about your accounts sent in real time. Stop in and open your account today or get started at rcu.org slash your way. Insured by NCUA. Happy to have Ben Gessling on Daily delivery right now. Ben does a great job covering the Vikings for the Star Tribune. We do the Access Vikings podcast as well. And this is a little bit of a crossover episode, Ben, because we are going to talk NFL draft on this. We've had a lot of NFL draft stuff already on Access Vikings. This is like back in the day when, uh, like, you know, on Scooby Doo, where they'd have like the other cartoon characters, or, like the Jetsons and the Flintstones. Yeah. It's one of those kind of things. The Hanna Barbera sort of uh, yeah. super show. Yeah, super Hanna Barbera super show of of daily delivery podcasts right here. But I, I wanted to you know talk draft a fair amount um, in the last few days. But you did your kind of seven round Vikings mock draft, and this is an inexact science, of course. It's not even really a science. It's it's a little a lot of guesswork. But I feel like when you do something like this for the Vikings, it gives you some clarity on what their needs are, how the draft could evolve, kind of how maybe they view the board. So let's start, you know, and, and it gives you an all seven rounds too. we get tend to lock in on the first round, but you know, this is an important draft for them depth wise too. So maybe big picture at the jump here. What, as you looked at this draft and evaluated it, what what do you think are their biggest needs and how do you imagine them addressing those needs? Well, the big question I think is going to be, I mean, they have the big needs are on both, both lines of scrimmage on the offensive side and the defensive side. And, and you're dealing with a draft that is deep for offensive linemen has a fairly good complement of pass rushers and doesn't offer a lot in terms of defensive tackles. Now that's probably part of the reason that they address that in free agency and they could go address that again. I think in this draft to add some depth, but I, the big needs as I see it are pass rushers and offensive linemen and, and, you know, with some other things kind of alongside there, but those are the two that I really focus on the most in the early parts of this. And I think those are the ones they're focusing on the most. And you try to do as much reporting with this as you can. And, and that was my sense is that offensive and defensive lines are, are very much their focus and the areas that they, see as the biggest needs. So, you know, a lot of it up top is trying to figure out, do they need to take an offensive lineman right away? Can they wait? And in this case, it's a draft that has a lot of depth, but I also feel like from what I've heard, they very much are interested in those tackles in the first round. Christian Derrissaw is who I mocked for the Vikings to take at number 14. Played with a lot of scenarios where they would actually trade down from that pick. And I think there's possible ways that they could do that Thursday night. Elijah Vera Tucker from USC is the other, the other name that has been linked to them a lot. It's the other name I played with, but in some ways, if Derisaw is there and I've heard they like him a lot, I think you just make the pick at 14 and then worry about making some trades later, which I had them doing. And the benefit there is that they have two third round picks. They have all those fourth rounders. So they have some ways to move back into the second round, even if they don't trade back in the first. 
how much i'm glad you you mentioned that uh the the scenarios in the third and fourth round how much is this draft complicated is maybe the wrong word influenced by the fact they don't have a second round pick right now and how eager do you think they are to you know whether it's a trade back you know from the first round where you maybe pick up a later first round pick and a you know a second round pick somewhere in there or whether it's the move up from the third round with using some of that other capital how, how interested do you think they are in getting into the second round and having you know another top 60 pick i think they're fairly interested in it because this is a team that has some fairly big needs and needs immediate contributions because they don't have the money to go out and get a lot of guys on the market. We saw them, of course, get Dalvin Tomlinson and and Patrick Peterson. But beyond that, they weren't able to address their offensive line in free agency, and they still have a need for a pass rusher. So you have a lot of spots where you're hoping for an immediate contributor. It is easier to get those toward the top of the draft. So, yeah, I think – the idea that they're going to go pick at number 14 and then not pick again until the middle of the third round and kind of let 60 picks go off the board before they get back in there. I would be surprised if they did that. I think they have the pieces to move back into the second round. They may acquire it by moving back in the first round, but they also, even if they stay at 14, I think they have enough to make a trade to jump up if there's somebody falling that they like. And maybe it's not an or situation. It could be an and situation. I mean, I keep thinking about it that way, but they could move back in the first round and then use third round picks to move up too. They could, you know, conceivably wind up with two first round pick or two second round picks. But you mock the mock you had had them trading their number 90 pick, uh, which is, you know, late third round and their yep. and the 134th pick, which would be what fourth round somewhere in yep. there yep. Uh, to move up to the uh, the back half of the second round. That doesn't sound like a lot to give up and but that's kind of how the value chart plays out yeah it is and it's one of those things where i think because they have all those picks i mean mean, spielman has been very good at figuring out where to find value to move around the draft board whether it's been being able to move back in the first like we've seen we saw them do last year with jeff gladney he's he's had a good sense i think of what teams are going to do and where he can move now sometimes when he moves he doesn't always get the pick right but I, I think that feel for how I manipulate the draft board is something he's done fairly well. So, yeah, I, I think the fact that they have as many of those third and fourth rounders as they do, especially in a draft where you have teams, I think I had been turning with Indianapolis, who doesn't have a lot of picks. So when you have this extra kind of glut of, of picks in the middle rounds, if you have a team that says, hey, we just need to get some players in here that can come in and contribute, they don't have to be top end of the draft, but we want solid contributors to come into our into our building. Uh, you may be able to use some of those resources to entice a team like that and, and make a move to go get somebody in the second round that can contribute pretty quickly. I don't want to gloss over the first round too quickly. I mean, you had, you know, like you said, Christian Derrissaw being their potential pick at 14 if he's there it's just the simple you know they're, they're there at 14 they take their tackle they, they plug him in and play him and that's and that's that you also had Jalen Phillips defensive end Elijah Vera Tucker tackle from USC he's got some flexibility to him too doesn't he does he kind of a combo tackle guard potentially yeah. kind of like kind of like Ezra Cleveland and Ezra Cleveland maybe gives them that flexibility to either do you know tackle or guard uh, depending on what they want to do yeah both of those players I think I mean there's a lot of people that like Vera Tucker more as a guard in the NFL and they certainly have a need there when Dakota Dozier is back and there's a possibility that you come out of this thing with him in line to start again I, you have a need so 
Vera Tucker, I think, could come in and play guard. Cleveland could stay at guard. The the reason I like Derisaw and the reason I've heard that they like Derisaw is it does give you a guy that you say he's attacking. You can leave Ezra Cleveland where he is. I mean, people talk about moving Ezra Cleveland, but Ezra Cleveland did not play a snap right. at, at tackle last year. Even in that last game when Riley Reef was out because of COVID, Cleveland stayed where he was. And they talked about possibly moving Cleveland to tackle if they would have cut Reef at the end of training camp. And that probably would have been what they had to do. But the fact that they brought him along as slowly as they did and that they left him at guard makes me think, do they see him as a guard? Do they not love the possibility with him at tackle? I, I'm not sold yet on the idea that you could just put him in a tackle and it's fine. I, I think if they felt that good about it, we would have seen them probably hint at that a little more than they did last year. So I think the the, the benefit of Vera Tucker is that, yes, he can be a good guard in the NFL, but I, I do think then you have that question of, what do you do at tackle? And I've heard they're very interested in Derisaw in part because of that, that you could, he's got the size to play left tackle. He still fits in your zone scheme, but he's, he's a big dude. And uh, if you need somebody that can handle defensive ends out on the side that you can kind of set him out there and forget about him, which they haven't had in a long time. No, no. Um, that's a, that's a nice luxury, especially when you don't have a quarterback that, that can extend plays terribly naturally you've got uh with with that trade you had them making you've got them taking peyton turner defensive end from houston you got two other possibilities that are both tackles uh samuel uh cosme from texas and uh, dylan radins from north dakota state um you know if if they are able to jump into that second round two questions on that i'll, I'll get to the, the first one being the 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 Peyton Turner idea is that based on just kind of where he fits on the board, or do you think that they have a particular affinity for him? I think they're interested. I mean, he certainly fits as a pass rusher of the type that they like. He's, he's long limbed. I mean, they've talked about wanting their defensive ends to look like power forwards before. And, and you certainly see that that is the way they've gone about it. They have a type. At, at that position. They like the guys that are 6'5", 260 in that range that are, are flexible, that have long arms, that can can get around the corner, but also put their arm into a tackle. I mean, you know, Daniel Hunter is the prototype. That that There's there's a lot of things for which Daniel Hunter can be a prototype. I mean, he, the guy just looks like he was built in a lab somewhere, but <laughs> right. um, that's that's what they want at that position. And, and he's Turner is very much in that vein. I, I think he's a guy that, that could fit in and provide some immediate pass rush. He's got the athletic skill set to do that. And I think they they have not had a lot of success in recent years with those guys they've tried to put in that room. They, they had hit on a number of them for a while, but you know, guys like Jalen Holmes. Um, even Stephen Weatherly has been up and down, but Fadio Denebo, you know, some of the, some of those guys have had flashes, but they haven't had anything hit in a terribly meaningful way where that guy comes in and is a starter in a while. So I think being somebody, this would actually be the highest they've taken a pass rusher under Mike Zimmer slash Andre Patterson in terms of a defensive end. If you want to call Anthony Barr a pass rusher, we can discuss that. But right. in terms of a pure pass rusher, they have not taken one higher than the third round. So this would be a bit of a departure, but I think it's a big need. And you saw it last year that they couldn't get to the quarterback. So whether you have Hunter or not, I think that's a, a fairly major need for them to address fairly early. Well, and Barr was the very first draft uh, that, uh, that Zimmer was here for. So even if you yep. count him as a pass rusher, it has been a while. 
The other question I had relating to the first two rounds, and we'll get into some of this, some of the later rounds in depth here in a minute, was every everybody you've mocked to them, whether it's you know the straight up pick or the possibilities in those first two rounds, which included the trade, you know, the trade up uh, with those third and fourth round picks for a second rounder. They were all either offensive line or defensive line. How surprised would you be if their first two picks, regardless of where they are, aren't in some order, offensive line, defensive line, that they don't get one of each with their first two picks? I would, you know, it's, it's possible. I mean, they have done it before where, especially if there's an opportunity to add just one more, just one more, they could use one. I mean, I I could see it if they fell in love with one of those corners. If, uh, if Patrick Sertain was there and they like to go that route, I, I could see it, but you know, you look at how they've gone about it the last few years and they have, they talk a lot about drafting for the best player available, but the, the, the dirty little secret there is teams construct their boards in part in view of what they need. And if you look at the picks they've made in recent years, they have largely followed the big needs that they have. It's either been offensive linemen or they take Justin Jefferson last year after they trade Stephon Diggs. They knew they needed a corner, so they went and took Jeff Gladney. There have been a lot of those picks where it's not just like, hey, we're good at this position, but what the heck, this guy is great value, let's add him. I mean, Mike Hughes would probably be the exception there, I suppose, and even that's in a position where they never feel like they have enough, as, as we've talked about. So I think they know that the needs are pass rusher and offensive line. I think it's, you know, the corner thing could come up. Um, that would really be the other one. If they fell in love with one of the quarterbacks, I suppose it's possible. I just, it's hard for me to see, given where they are, given the kind of state of their life cycle that where they need to win and given the the needs that are fairly glaring i would be pretty surprised if it doesn't go that way with the addressing the two lines of scrimmage first of all yeah i would too i mean it's it's fun to think about you know weird upsets happening on you know day two day one and day two in particular but uh does seem like the smart move at least would be the, the the logical move which would be offensive line and defensive line Glad you brought up quarterback. I mean, I, the fact that the idea of one of those quarterbacks sliding to 14 seems far-fetched. And even the idea that they would, you know, make a trade up into the second round to grab a quarterback seems pretty far-fetched. But in your mock, you do mention a couple guys and you mentioned Kyle Trask as a, you know, a possibility in the fourth round. And then you do mock uh, Davis Mills from Stanford to them in the fourth round, not a huge limb for the Vikings to potentially go out on, but that would be a bit of a departure yeah, um, at least, you know, even spending a middle round pick on a quarterback. Yeah, it certainly would. They have not done it. I mean, they really have not done it. And we had a, a fairly spirited discussion about this on Access Vikings last week because Andrew has pointed that out, that they haven't done it. And I, and I agree. I mean, it's been – I mean, they took Nate Stanley last year and it, it was back to like John David Booty before they had taken a backup quarterback in a draft. They, they only have taken them under Rick Spielman when they need one. And then they take one high. It has not been this let's add one for the sake of development. They they've done that a couple times with undrafted free agents, certainly, but it has not been a mid round pick. This is, this would be a departure, but I, I, from what I've heard, they've done a lot of work on quarterbacks. I think they know that they need a, a reliable number two. I, you know, having, Stanley and Jake Browning, I don't think is enough to feel like if Kirk Cousins got hurt, that you could survive. So 
I think they have some interest in going a different route there and, and possibly adding somebody. The fact that Sean Mannion is not back is somewhat significant to me. And I think if you can get somebody that you can develop into a solid backup for Cousins or even, you know, maybe somebody that down the road can can start, I think it's a worthwhile investment. And I it just the way that they've gone about it in terms of scouting this draft makes me think they're more open to it than they've been in the past. A couple more things for Ben Gessling. Really interesting stuff. You've got him taking a kicker, Ben. Uh, <laughs> sixth round. Was that just to torture fans or was that like a true like um insiding is such a, a, a an over overused word but is that like do you think that that's a real possibility based on you know what you know about not only their needs but their thinking going into this draft that evan mcpherson this kicker from florida could be uh could be their guy next year that yeah to be honest that was some of both okay. um that that was a little bit of a and i i think i i put a line in there about yeah taking an sec kicker you know what what, what could, could go, go wrong, wrong? And Blair Walsh was good for a few years for yeah. sure. Yeah. He, he, he made some big kicks that first year and, first year. And, you know, uh, he was pretty good in 2014 and yeah, you know, made a couple game winners in 15 and then, yeah. and then it all fell apart. But you know, yeah, again, again, they, they do need a kicker though. They, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then it's, you know, whether they address that, whether, you know, whether Greg Joseph is their guy or whether they get a veteran or they draft a rookie and, you know, <laughs> rookie kickers daniel carlson lasted two games last time they drafted a kicker but uh i don't know it it's, it seems like they need one but boy i'd be surprised if they if they if they leave this season up to a, a rookie kicker yeah i mean that's this is the dilemma right it, it's they need one greg joseph i don't think has the resume to suggest that he's the guy but rookie kickers and Mike Zimmer have been a combustible combination or even young kickers because Blair, Blair Walsh was certainly not a rookie but yeah guys that can't kind of handle the gauntlet so to speak of kicking for Mike Zimmer haven't fared very well here yeah, and the, vet, the veterans haven't done a whole lot better <laughs> the, the, you know the guy as we look back at it and he's he's inconsistent enough that you don't know if it would have worked out over the long term here but the move in the end that you kind of go, what were they doing? Was getting rid of Kai Forbin? Yeah, hundred percent. I was. I thought that at the time it was like he extra points were a, a little bit iffy yeah. with him, and you like to be able no. to count. And that's a momentum play sometimes, less than it, less than it is just the points on the board. But I think that probably bugged them more than because field goals. He was pretty good, and he he would have been know, the hero. Against he would have been the, the hero. Yes, if they would have made the that defensive stop well. instead of. You know, he would have been the hero for making that long. It was a pretty long kick, too, was it? It was three, I think. Yeah, it was a long one. It, so it was one of those that I remember when he lined up for it. You're sitting there running through every special teams nightmare in Vikings history, thinking, what's going to happen here? And it was like, it hit it on the screws, no doubt about it. Like, yep, we're, we're going to win the game. And then the defense, of course, gives up the field goal. And then uh, no. Stefan Diggs. Miss Minneapolis Miracle. Yeah. Yes. But, if that doesn't all happen, Forbath is the hero of that game. So that is the one you look back at it a little bit. And but they got they got stars in their eyes about how we can upgrade this position. McPherson has kicked very well in Florida, and they would say, "Well, he's kicked in big pressure environments, yes, but he missed a big one against LSU." So that I could see them doing it, but the question they would have to answer is, can somebody come in and be? resilient enough to kick in the NFL for this coach in this season. Yes. In this, in this pressure season. Yes. 
last thing, I mean, I'm not going to go through all 10 picks, but, you know, obviously they've got other needs. You can see them taking a linebacker or two, especially as special teams contributors. You could, you could see them adding, you know, even more depth on the offensive and defensive lines. I don't know if they'll stop at one in, in either case. What, you know, maybe kind of, you know, your, your, your summary overview of what to look for in kind of the, some of those later rounds. Yeah, so I had them taking another guard, uh, Kenner Green from, from Illinois, who I think is another really good fit. I, I think they, even if they take a tackle, they could use another guard and especially one like him that fits in the zone scheme and can get out and move. I, I think that's an area where they do need to, to add some depth at least and possibly a guy that could start. So I would look there. I would look at wide receiver. I think they need a third. I mean, their top two are, are awfully good and you can argue it's one of the better tandems in the league, but Adam Thielen and Vikings fans are going to weep at the thought, but he'll be 31 in June and has a big number on his contract going forward. And they've pushed some of that into the future, which would tell you they think he's going to be here, but we're not talking about, you know, another 10 years of Adam Thielen. We may be talking about in a good scenario, four or five, and maybe he's Larry Fitzgerald and he can play longer than that. But even if he's here, it's useful for them to think about another receiver who can be helpful on third downs and especially one that can be a factor in the return game which I have them doing so I would look there I think um I think I had them taking a tight end from Boston College so there especially if they can find somebody that can block there could be another need there and uh I would always keep an eye on the secondary I I think there's still whether it's a safety I haven't taken Jalen Johnson from Indiana or a corner and I have them taking Tay Gowan from uh Central Florida in the middle rounds I think they always feel like we can do some additions here too. So um, held off on the long snapper mock. I figured let's go a little <laughs> restraint, but uh, yeah, otherwise those would be the areas I'd, I'd keep an eye on. Well, they only have 10 picks right now, but it could be up to 15 by Saturday. Well, I remember when two years ago, when they, they added, they got up to 12 and they took the long snapper. They took Austin cutting with the last one. That was very much the moment. I remember in the media room, everybody was like, oh, okay, Rick, it's time to go home. Time to go home. <laughs> okay, you're, you're, you're dealing back in to get long snappers late in the draft. Time to time to shut it down. Let, let's uh, let's go, you know, put your feet up and, and celebrate a draft being over. But uh take long snappers at that point, like it's let's walk away from the uh, from the war room for a minute. Close down the lab, Mr. Uh, Mr. Mad Scientist. Yes. Well, yes. we're going to get some answers starting Thursday night. Can't, uh, can't wait for that. Be interesting to see what they are able to add. Ben Gessling, good stuff. Read all of his coverage of the draft on Star Tribune, startribune.com, and uh, follow us on Access Vikings and on this podcast for the post-draft coverage as well. Now, talk more about the Vikings and perhaps needing to take a backup quarterback in the middle rounds, a developmental guy that could eventually be a starter um, on the Ramball blog on, uh, on, on Thursday. So check that out, startribune.com. Let's end with the cooler today, the Wild. It's kind of a disappointing loss, right, uh, to, to St. Louis. They, they seem like they're kind of coasting is maybe the wrong word, but you get a 3-1 lead in the third period at home. You're on a seven-game winning streak and you're playing a team that's 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 got a lot to play for, right? St. Louis is you know, not in, not anywhere near where Minnesota is in the standings right now, but they're they're trying to lock up and trying to trying to battle for that fourth playoff spot, fourth and final playoff spot in in the West and how the season's gone. So playing a hungry team, but they're up three one. The, the Wild still has something to play for too, of course, because 
now, even though they've clinched a playoff spot and they seem fairly well locked into either the two or three seed with how well Vegas has played lately and how much clear they are still of, uh, of any teams in the uh, you know, any teams below them, including St. Louis, they're trying to get home ice for that first round, which means a lot to them. I know they played really well on the road recently but and lost yesterday 4-3 to three, uh, at home. But in general, home has been much better for them and is, is in general much better for any team. You want that home ice 100%. So... You know, to, to to allow a third period comeback where you only get you only get three shots in the period first off, then you allow St. Louis not only to come back and tie it late, but then give up the game-winning goal with 23 seconds left. Can't even get it to overtime, get that extra point where at least you you go in and you're like, well, that was disappointing. Even if you lose in overtime, but you, you're inching up in the standings, which you know Colorado's lost three in a row. They could have pulled even or ahead of Colorado depending on how that outcome went yesterday. So. Instead of that, there's still a point back of Colorado in that uh, in that race for second place. Vegas is six points now clear of Colorado. Colorado still has one fewer game play. But, you know, like I said, Colorado's lost three in a row now. They're they're suddenly you know hitting a little bit of a tough patch while Vegas has won ten in a row. Um, so that you know it's 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 one of those things where it's kind of gone back and forth, but it sure looks like it's going to be the Wild and Colorado that end up in that uh, you know if it if it ends how we think it will it'll be it'll be wild in Colorado right now in that first round and man if the wild could use any edge in that in that series it sure would be getting that home ice because they've had a hard time with Colorado this season but it's been better at XL Energy Center that'll do it for today's show tomorrow we'll recap the Vikings first round of the draft um, we'll see what they end up doing wolves and warriors tonight interesting game on a lot of fronts as well Thanks for listening to Daily Delivery. Write a review, subscribe, always read Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. We will catch you again on Friday.